And so if you have your Bibles, go back with me to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. And um, we'll commence reading at verse number 13. Uh, you should have an outline from uh, the last couple of weeks where we have went through these past, this passage to this point and we talked about the fact that submission is required. Submission is not a dirty word. It's actually a, a word that that when we embrace it in its fullness, we begin to really truly uh, understand how to operate in life. Uh, so we'll, we'll take a look here. Uh, so we said submission is required. We said submission is, you know, is reasoned. Amen. Uh, and we saw, we talked about the fact that submission is repeated and we see where Christ and Paul spoke on the issue and Peter listed in this text uh, two specific categories. Uh, submit to those in government authorities and, and, uh, and the less officials uh, up under the, the, the higher authorities in, in earth. So uh, as we look at First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse number 13, it says, For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Next verse says what? Or, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Now, remember, we talked about this on last week. We said that if someone is talking about you or someone is criticizing you, let it be because you are taking a stand for Christ. Let it not be because of something that you've done that, you know, people got to talk about. All right. If they're going to talk about you, let it be because of your stand for Christ. Look at what the rest of this text says. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Verse 16. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to what? As an excuse to do what? Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Next verse says what? Uh, respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Okay? I uh, fear God and respect the king. Now, we talked a lot again last week about submission. And with that, I, I do want to make, make mention this because uh, I've, I've said this before, but we have new people coming in and maybe some of y'all missed it. You do understand that when we talk about submission, uh, we submit to the authorities that we're up under. But if, if that authority that we're up under, tells us something that's wrong or illegal, then we're under no obligation to submit to that, right? Y'all do understand that. Okay, all right, so that if, if that authority is your husband's ladies and he tells you, let's go sin, that's sin for all, that's sin all week, that's just sin. <laughs> not, that, not that any husband here would say, let's just go sin. I mean, any type of sin, you're not in, under any obligation at that point to follow that leadership. Look at what the text says. Go to, go to Acts, the fifth chapter. Go to Acts chapter five with me right quick. Um, and look at verse number 26, verse number 26. And, and we'll, it, it says this, the captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, okay? But without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Now look at the next verse. It says what? Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. Next verse says, 
Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? He demanded. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him and you want to make us responsible for his death. They're talking about whom? Jesus. They're preaching Jesus. Now, they'd already told them, commanded them not to preach in this man's name. But notice what the apostles' response is. Verse number 29. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Now, remember, Peter said later on in his letter to obey human authority that you're up under. But notice what we differentiate here is when human authority tells you to do something that's outside the will of God, then you're not under obligation to obey that human authority, then you should obey God. And that, whether that human authority is on work, if you're at, at work and they tell you to fudge the numbers, you tell them, I can't do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the numbers down that we said. Now, if they say I'm going to fire you, well, just say, well, just start documenting and say, okay, you're going to fire me. Okay, so your reason for firing me is what? Okay, let me, doc, let me just put this in the email right quick so I can send it to the board of directors, okay? You're saying you're going to fire me because I didn't fudge the numbers. <laughs> All right? So in other words, we're not under obligation to do something that's outside the will of God. Y'all understand that, right, when it comes to submission. But submission is a concept that we have to learn how to embrace. The Christian life, child of God, is a life of submission. Uh, submission is Christ-like. And so we should never run from that term submission, even in marriage, uh, in, in the church especially. We should not run from that uh, term submission. When we, when we learn how to submit to authority, then that's being Christ-like because a spirit of submission has to be in place in order for the church to operate the way God wants it to operate. Now, uh, uh, for example, uh, let, let's look at this right quick. Peter talks a lot about submission to various kinds of authorities in, in that epistle that we look at. Go back to 1 Peter chapter uh, number, number 2, I believe is where we are. Uh, verse number 13. He talks about submission to various types of authority here. Um, one of the things when he talks about submitting to governmental authority, uh, Peter, Peter talks about, he says that Christians give a good testimony of their commitment to the Lord by their submission to govern, government authorities. Now, we may not agree with all of the policies of our government, but God nevertheless calls us to be submissive, right? Just as the, the apostles during their time here on earth, they were submissive to the pagan Roman emperors. Earlier, you had, you had some of these religious leaders who were trying to, uh, to influence the, the political leaders to, uh, to come against uh, uh, these apostles who were preaching in Jesus' name. And so these religious leaders didn't want, didn't want Christ to be preached because what was happening? Lives were being changed, Lou, and as lives were being changed, uh, some of these, these temple officials were losing, amen, some of their economic flow. It's kind of like some people, uh, if, if God leads you to another church, uh, uh, sometimes people don't care if you leave if you don't give much. But, uh, but I, I had an incident one time where a, a, a pastor you know, recommended somebody to come to, the, to, the, to our church. Uh, but then there were some other people who came and the pastor got a little upset because the other people who came were a little bit bigger, bigger givers than the one that, that came that wasn't a big giver. And so, so, what's, so, so our, our, our mindset should never be that I'm upset if God leads you to another place, if God leads you. My mindset should be that, uh, that if, if, if you leave 
And I've always been this way. If a person leaves this church, I'm not looking at that person as a number or a, or, a, or a tither or a giver. I'm looking at that person as someone who God loves. If God led them someplace else, then more power to you. We, we bid you Godspeed. If you lead, lead the right way, wherever you leave, lead the right way. Uh, but but these, these, these religious leaders were upset because as the apostles preached Jesus and they got saved, some of that shenanigans and stuff that they were doing and in, in a certain days and festivals, you had to buy uh, these certain uh, animal sacrifices and all that stuff. All that stuff went away once they got saved and it took away some of their revenue that was coming in. Never make ministry about revenue. Now, ministries need revenue in order to operate, but if you trust God and teach God's word, his principles, then God will provide the resources to get the ministry work done. We know what our responsibility is as a church here. So I, I, you don't see me getting up, beating you over the head, telling, telling you we're going to take five off until we get the mouth that I want. Have you ever been in those kind of services where they ain't going to let you go and lock the doors until we get? No, that's not the way you give. You give with a cheerful heart. You give cheerfully and God will bless that kind of giving. But these religious leaders were upset because People were getting saved, so they said, don't preach in Jesus' name. But what did the apostles say? Now, no, no, we rather obey God than, than man. And so when it comes to submission, we submit as long as that submission is not contradicting to God's will and his word for our lives. Okay. Uh, Peter also indicated in this passage, as we read, go, we'll go down through uh, the rest of this. He also indicated that Christian servants uh, give a good testimony of their commitment to the Lord by their submission to, to, to those whose authority they're upon. The Christian servants uh, will give authority to their masters. Bring it up to modern day terms, employees, when they submit to their employers, are, are, are given a good testimony of what, it, what a Christian should be. I, I've told y'all before, Christians ought to be the best workers that are on that job. In that place of employment, Christians who are loving God and submitting themselves to God, knowing whatever they do, they do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So whenever you go to work, you should never go to work with the mindset, I'm working for this person. You should always go with the mindset that I'm working as unto whom? The Lord. That should change your whole perspective about work. So you don't get sidetracked with all the little ancillary details and, and little gossip, office gossip, and all the stuff that's going on. You stay focused on doing what you've been assigned to do because you're working hard as unto the what? The Lord. If you keep that mindset, you, you will become one of the best workers on that job because you're working as unto whom? The Lord and not unto men. If you ever keep that mindset, you're going to be you're going to be a blessed worker. And I promise you, when you are producing and doing what you're supposed to do, amen, good stuff follows you. Amen. Because in today's society, I'm here to tell you, in today's economic and climate, it is hard to find good workers. It is hard to find faithful workers. It is hard to find workers who can pass a drug test. You ever wonder why when you go to some of these places from some of the, yeah, I'm not going to start naming names, but some of these fast food places and these discount stores, uh, uh, you go in there and you're like, what happened? How did they hire that person where they couldn't get the, nobody else? Everybody else, was, you know, when, it, when it's full employment, it's hard to get good people. So what I'm telling you is as a born again believer, you ought to be working in such a manner and cultivating and developing your skill set and you have the right attitude such that people demand you in their department. 
They want you over there and they'll pay you to come over there. Amen. I believe there's some raises in some of y'all's future. I believe there's some promotions in your future when you work heartily as unto the Lord. Now you can't be an old fuddy-duddy, old mean-spirited person who's, who's not doing the way God wants you to do it. When you do it heartily unto the Lord, the Lord will bless you. So you got, but you got to submit to that authority. Amen. If when you don't, we, we don't learn how to submit to authority, we put ourselves outside the will of God. Okay. So most important of all, what Peter is saying is that Christ is Lord of all, and we must always submit to Him and honor Him. Look, go with me right quick. I tell you what, back up with me. Let's go back to uh, 1 Peter 3. Go back up to 1 Peter 3, uh, and let's look at that right quick. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7. Because what, what, what Peter does here, and I'll finish, we're going to finish up this tonight. We're going we're gonna to pick back up where we said submission uh, regulated. But uh, we know that submission is something that God desires for us to do. But, but he uses different analogies to get us to understand that submission is a part of God's will for our life. I'm here to tell you right now, it may be hard for you to submit to authority in the various areas of your life because you haven't effectively submitted to Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. If you have not effectively submitted to Jesus Christ wholeheartedly, you're gonna, wives, you're going to have trouble submitting to your husband. Right? Uh, you know, guys, if, if you have not effectively submitted to Jesus Christ, you'll have trouble submitting to your pastoral leadership. You have trouble submitting to uh, your, your, the authority in your place of employment when you haven't effectively submitted to Christ Jesus. So what God does is God uses these tangible things, these tangible areas of our lives to, to, to try to equip us to grow and develop. And he uses those tangible areas to try to get us to see and understand the importance of submitting to Christ Jesus. When we submit to Christ, then, then we, can, we can readily and easily submit to the other authorities that we're up under. Okay, y'all with me? So look at this one. He says Christian wives show, show their godliness in submitting to their husband, just as Christian husbands show their godliness by honoring their wives. Look at this passage, and this is one of my favorite ones to read. It says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. That's critical. That's critically important. I, I, I preached this uh, for 20 plus years in our marriage fellowship that probably the most important thing for a man, ladies, the most important thing for a man, ladies, the, the most important thing for men, let me put back up, the most important things for men and for husbands, ladies and wives, is for you to respect them. As a matter of fact, respect even goes beyond physical intimacy with a man. Dominique, am I still on back there? Let me say it again. Ladies, when you learn how and you, in a God-honoring way, learn how to reverence and respect your husband, he'll run through a wall for you. Are y'all listening to me? And that's critically important. And sometimes we get off kilter and we get off base because some of us, some of you, some of you may have came from strong, uh, you know, backgrounds, your family of origin. You, you may saw strong woman and, and that you took that on the same persona. But even with being a strong woman, that, 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 that's not negate the fact that you have to reverence and respect your husband. No, he's not perfect. None of us are. 
Don't do everything right, but when you learn to respect him and reverence him, it, it does a whole lot for the family unit, and it's a part of your responsibility as a Christian person, lady, all right? Now watch this. Read, read with me. It says, in the same way, you wives must what? You must do what? Accept the authority of your husband. It says, then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. Listen to what this says. It says, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. How can you speak to somebody without words? Your actions, your lifestyle, what you're doing, amen, in, 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 in modeling, amen, the, the submissive uh, uh, approach to, to that relationship that Christ desires and, and when, you, uh, when you live godly before that husband it says you can preach to him without saying a word some of y'all been saying a whole lot and maybe hadn't been living <laughs> in a way that garners that respect Okay, so the text says even if some refuse to obey the good news your godly lives will speak to them without any words they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. So how are you going to win that man over? By living a pure and reverent life. Okay? Is that, is that what it says? It says, it did not say you're going to preach them into submission or preach them into living right. It says, by, by living in such a way, living reverent and pure lives, you can preach to them without saying a word. That's critical because I, 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 I sense in my spirit that a lot of y'all have been doing a lot of talking and a lot of preaching and not doing the living. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting no amen from any women in here. And I, I know some, somewhere on the line, some, can, can I get one woman to say, yeah, I, I have been there, Pastor. Okay, thank you, thank you. Say, thank God for deliverance. Say, 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 thank God the deliverance is on the way. <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all say he's still working on me. I said, it's okay. As long as you let him work on you, we're going to be all right. Just don't get into a point where you let him stop working on you. But your lifestyle, by observing your, it, this text is so, is so powerful. It says by observing your pure and reverent lives, not preaching to him, you can win him over. That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 3. Come on, let's go. This is what? Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. Now, watch this. I, I, I always have to park here and say this. This does not mean that you as a woman should not try to dress yourself up and it look nice. Let's back up for a second. Because what he's doing is he's comparing outward beauty to inward beauty. And when you compare outward beauty to inward beauty, it is much better if you are beauty on beauty. If you are beautiful on the inside. If you carry beauty on the inside rather than beauty on the outside. You can, you can listen. He says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. Some women would take that to say, well, I just, I'll, yeah, I'll, 
I just, I just come like I am. No, you, you need to dress up. You dressed up to get him. Come on now. Didn't you comb your hair when you were dating him? Y'all don't want to talk to me tonight. Did, did, did you, didn't you put on your... <laughs> I didn't say that. Somebody, somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, my point is, don't stop doing that stuff, but don't do that stuff at the expense of getting beautified on the inside. That's what he's saying. Because when, when he says bodily exercise profit little, he's talking about compared to godliness. So w- when he says this, it, it, it means... It, it means we, we ought to not uh, neglect beautifying the inside to the detriment of being beautified on the outside, okay? So try to look, look your best for your spouse, okay? Amen? Uh, you should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. A gentle and quiet spirit is so precious to God. Look at the next verse. It says, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. They trusted God, and what did they do? They accepted the authority of their husbands. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? It just seemed like a cold spirit in here. I mean, I don't know why. I'm just reading the Bible, y'all. Do y'all see this? It's in the Word. Okay, so don't, don't get upset with me. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a man. If Marrera was preaching, she'd read the same scripture, wouldn't you, baby? And you read it just, just you stay on it just like I stay on it, right? See, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, just kind of trying to put the word down on the inside here. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Now, accepting his authority doesn't mean that he does everything right. Accepting his authority doesn't mean that you, you as a helper who's suitable for him shouldn't have input in what's happening in the, in the relationship in the home. It never says that accepting his authority means that, that everything he says is right and I don't have any comment or input. That would be a foolish man. Okay? I'm saying that out loud and on purpose. That would be a foolish man who does not glean from his helper that God gave you to be suitable for you. Watch this. They trusted God except for the authority of the husband. Look at verse 6 and 7. Let's go. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him him master. (laughs) I just thought about something. You you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husband might do. Watch this. That's why sometimes you don't do what's right because you're fearful of what your husband might do. Is that right? Well, if I, if, Pastor, if I submit to him, he's going to take advantage of me. No, your responsibility is to submit to him with reverence, and you'll be surprised at what that husband will do when he's pursuing God and he has a wife who reverence him and respects him. I told you, he will, he will run the Californian back for you when, you when you show him that kind of respect, okay? Now watch this. Next verse, verse 7 says what? In the same way, now listen, see, the, the Bible is always balanced. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Wow. Give honor to your wives. Uh, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Okay? She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. Why? 
She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. This scripture says that if I'm not treating Mararia the way I should treat her, it hinders my prayers from being answered. It'll mess with my prayer life when I don't treat her the way the Bible says treat her. Is that what it says? Let's, let's go to the KJV in case you think that the NLT messed it up. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7 from the King James Version of the Scripture. It says, Likewise, you husband, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers don't go up in the corner and just get stuck because you're not honoring your wife. And you're not dwelling with her according to knowledge. Okay, so is, that, is that clear? Now, again, all of these particular passages I'm reading is Peter's attempt to get us to understand the process of submission. Husbands, you'll never be able to do this. And wives, you'll never be able to do this if you don't first and foremost submit yourself to Jesus Christ first. The problem that we're having in the church with rebellious members, and we don't really necessarily have that problem here. I don't think it's, it's sometimes it's a quiet rebellion. All right. But 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 there are some churches where they don't submit to authority. And and it's and it's and it hinders the progress of the church. And one of the reasons why they don't submit to authority is because they never really truly submitted to Christ. Yes, they accept him as personal savior, but is he your Lord of your life? When someone is the Lord of your life, that means that, that you're operating under their direction. Can I get a witness? Okay, so the Christian life is a life of submission. So, so, so just make a mental note of this. All of the forms of submission, that means submission to government authorities, submission within the family unit and so on, submission at work, all of the forms of submission grow out of our prior foundational submission to Jesus Christ as Lord. All other forms of submission grow out of our prior foundational submission to Jesus Christ as Lord. Notice I did not say Jesus Christ as Savior. See, there are many Christians who've accepted Christ as Savior, but they have not submitted themselves to him as Lord. Let me say that again. Y'all missed that. There are too many Christians who've accepted him as Savior, but have not submitted themselves to him as Lord. How can you tell if you say, but he's not your Lord? You can tell when you see word, because Jesus is the word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. When you hear word preached, but you do not govern your life according to that word that was preached, then you have not truly made him Lord of your life. When someone is Lord of your life, that means that they are directing the course of your life. And so it's impossible to really submit it as a husband, as a wife, as an employee, employee, employee uh, as, a, as a church member, when you have not truly submitted yourself to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Savior you, you have, but not Lord. Lord means he's guiding your life, okay? So get back to your outline right quick. So, so when you look at yourself, ask yourself this question when, when you're having trouble submitting in the various pockets of life. Have I truly made Jesus Lord in my life or am I just walking with him as my savior? There is a difference. 
Lordship would indicate that something, I'm doing things according to his will for my life. So again, a submission regulated on your outline. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 16. Watch this text, okay? We're going to go back submission regulated because we got to realize there's some things that's happening in the church that we as a body of believers have to get straight so that God can use us like he wants to use us. How many of y'all know he wants to use us? Every last one of us in here, God desires to use us. Amen? All right. So let's, let's go. It says, uh, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do what? Evil. You are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Now, what is he saying here? Uh, in the outline, he says, use your freedom responsibly. Freedom, with freedom comes responsibility. Now, say for instance, how many of y'all remember the first time uh, you were given the keys to the car and you were given the liberty after you got your license to drive? How many of y'all remember that when you first got your you, you, how many of y'all remember when you first got your first car? Did any of y'all get a car when you were a teenager? Okay, maybe you did, okay. All right, so <laughs> Sean said, no, I didn't. Uh, but when you first got that vehicle uh, as a teenager and your parents gave you the keys to that car, you had, there was some, there was some, some with that freedom to move about came some responsibility, right? How many of y'all remember having a curfew um, when you got your car, you had a certain time you had to come in, right? I think most of us did. I mean, I don't think anybody grew up in a household where they said, well, you, you come on in when you get ready. <laughs> Anybody's mom and daddy was that liberal? No, that, 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 first of all, that would not be good for you to come in at any time you get ready, right? Most of y'all know if you came in at any time you got ready, somehow you would got knocked out, O-U-T out. I'm not saying it was right, but they would have knocked you out. You came in at 4 o'clock in the morning? And you 17? Uh-uh. No, that wasn't happening in a lot of households, right? All right, so, so but, but with that freedom to move about and to go to different places, you have to be responsible. Most parents says, call me when you get there, right? Call me when you leave, right? So I know about how long it will take for you to get home. That, with that came responsibility. There have been times when, when, when we would call Jesus and say, son, where are you? Oh, oh, I forgot. Okay, keep on forgetting if you want to. Your freedom is going to be taken away. <laughs> right? You can't have that freedom without being responsible. How hard is it to say, I've arrived at my destination? How hard is it to the phone and say, I'm getting ready to leave now? Right? Especially when they go off to college and that type of thing, you want to know that they made it there safely. So with that freedom comes what responsibility. Same way with our, with our, with our freedom in Christ. We have, we have, we've been made free, but we, with that freedom comes responsibility. We don't, have to, we don't have the freedom to just do whatever we want to do. There's a guideline for living our Christian life. So use your freedom responsibly. Look at John, the eighth chapter. We'll, we'll get back to First Peter. Look at John, the eighth chapter, verse 31 through 32 right quick. And we'll look at these passages. We are truly free. But that freedom should never be used as a cover for anything that's malicious or ungodly. You remember when Paul, as we turn there, you remember when Paul 
over in the book of Romans talk about the fact that, that he, he had the liberty and the freedom to eat meat that had been offered in the idol worship. Because what would happen is they would not utilize, under the old covenant, they would bring animal sacrifices to be, and those animals were slaughtered, blood sprinkled, whatever, and they would use that in the sacrifice, in the, in the daily sacrifice, but not everything was utilized. And what they, they would take the excess and send it to the marketplace and sell it. So that people were buying meat that had been offered to idols. And Paul said this, he says, really, there ain't no other God but the true and living God. He says, so, so if, I, if I bought that meat and ate it, I do have the liberty to do that. It ain't going to kill me. I'm not going to hell because there ain't no God but the true and living God. He says, but if my eating that meat that had been offered to idol messes a weaker brother up, because that weaker brother believes it's a sin to eat the meat that had been offered to the idols, and if I invite him to my house, it would, it would be disrespectful and offensive for that person who I invite to my house not to eat. And then they discover that there's meat that had been offered to the idols. Then that person, I'm going to cause that brother to stumble because he's going to be eating meat that he thinks is wrong to eat. So Paul said, even though I have the freedom and the liberty to eat that meat, as long as it, that bro, weaker brother's there and it's going to cause him to stumble and he's unlearned, I ain't going to eat that meat. That's what he said. He said, I'm, I'm going to use my freedom responsibly because I don't want my freedom to cause somebody else to fall. That's why certain, certain things you may have liberty to do, but don't do it because it's going to mess somebody else up. Y'all with me? That's what Paul said. That's what we're talking about, using your freedom res responsibly. Don't, 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 don't let that freedom cause you to, uh, to, to mess yourself and somebody else up. Look at what the text says in John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now watch this. How do you know that you are truly a disciple or a disciplined one? How do you know? I'm not talking about, how many of you know you can be saved and not a disciple? See, that's, that's the next phase of development that, that as your pastor, uh, I, I want for the body of believers here at EBC. I don't want you just to be saved and going to heaven when you die. That's cool. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that you, that you got your ticket. And when, 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 when it's time for the train, the glorious train to come, you can get on board. But while you're here, we have a responsibility and a mandate from Jesus to go and reach others. And unless you are a disciplined one, you won't, you won't follow through on, on that mandate to go and reach the, the world for the, for the cause of Christ. So, so as a church body, we want, we want to get to the point where we are, we are we're being disciplined or disciple one, learn ones who are following the teachings of Christ and reaching others. He says, Jesus said to the people who believe in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. So otherwise, if you're not remaining faithful to his teaching, you're not really a disciple. You may be saved, but you're not a disciple. And we're trying to become disciples, right? Look at verse 32. Let's read together. It says what? And you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Truth will set you free. Amen? The truth will set you free. So, uh, go to 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Talk about the spirit of submission. This is critically important for the church, guys. Because if you don't have a spirit of submission, when you're asked to do something, 
you'll feel like, well, you know, I don't really have to do that. I mean, because if I don't feel like, I just won't do it. A spirit of submission is, says that I'm going to make myself available to the place that I say that the Holy Spirit led me to be. And when, when, when the place that I'm connected with is doing ministry work, I'm going to make myself available to do that work. Even when sometimes I may not feel like doing that work. How many of y'all have not felt like going to work sometimes? But how many of y'all got in that car, cranked it up early in the morning and got to work? How many of y'all have to be to work before seven? How many of y'all have to be there by eight o'clock? Eight thirty? Nine? Well, you get nine, you're just sleeping in, aren't you? All right. We make the sacrifice to go when we really don't want to go because they are promising us something of value, right? In other words, a paycheck or a direct deposit to our account of monetary resources. So we go. Guys, when it comes to ministry, we have to learn to submit ourselves to, to Christ. And even when, when our bodies may say, I'm tired, I don't want to go, we submit to the authority of Christ and we walk and we do that. Amen. Uh, uh, we, we, we walk through and we do the work of ministry because we are disciplined ones. We're disciple ones. Okay. But watch the text. It says, for the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Because if he says there is liberty, there's freedom wherever the spirit of the Lord is. Go to Galatians 5 and 1. Galatians 5 and 1. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. Now, but we can't use that liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Right? See, guys, let me say something. When we, when, when we decide to do whatever, let's just say we decide to go to a certain type of movie. Do you not know that, the, that, that God won't stop you from buying a ticket to see Fifty Shades of Grey? Do y'all know what Fifty Shades of Grey is? Okay. Uh, <laughs> The Lord won't stop you from buying a ticket to go see Fifty Shades of Grey. He won't. He gives you the choice. But you don't want to use your liberty as an occasion to the what? Flesh. Now, for, your, for those who don't know, Fifty Shades of Grey is a, is a, it's a very sexually titillating movie that, that, that was close to being almost not rated R. Okay, but you sit up in there. Okay, my point is, don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Uh, there are certain things that 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 uh, when it comes to uh, there may not be a right or wrong, but it may be a, a, a situation where you're going to call somebody else to fall. Then to take the high road like Paul did and say, you know what? Even though I could do that, I'm not because it may ruin my testimony. Okay? It may cause me not to be able to reach somebody. And my focus is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I don't want to do anything that's going to hinder me from reaching people. That's what a disciple does. Okay? Watch this. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to what? To the law. There, you know, the Galatian, the book of Galatians, Paul does a yeoman's job of explaining 
the difference between uh, Old Covenant law and New Testament grace. Okay, go into to, to the 13th uh, verse of this very same chapter, Galatians 5. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another what? To serve one another in love. So use your freedom responsibly. Part B on your outline says we are servants of God. Our first loyalty is to God as revealed in his word. Uh, you know, when, when Peter and them said we're going to rather obey God than men, they, what they were saying is, is that God is a priority and we're going to follow him and not our flesh and not what you say. Okay? So our first loyalty is to God. Your first loyalty is not to me, your pastor. Your first loyalty is to God. If I, your pastor, tell you to do something that's not in line with God's will and his word, you're under no obligation to do that. And as a matter of fact, I'm teaching you, don't, if I come up and tell you to do something that, that's clearly not in, in line with God's word, don't you do it. Now, I would not ever intentionally tell you to do something that's outside of God's will. But if I were to go crazy one day, then you are not under any obligation to follow that. Does everybody understand that? Okay, so but but notice that that Peter and all others were always courteous to officials that they dealt with. They 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 were not uh, you know they were not uh, uh, obnoxious. They 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 spoke with respect. So even when you're dealing with people uh, who are in authority, you do it with respect. Even if you disagree with them, you you disagree in a respectful manner. How many of y'all have learned the art of disagreeing but not being disagreeable? Have y'all learned that art yet? Are some of y'all still struggling a little bit? When you disagree, you get crazy. Don't, don't do that, okay? Now, anybody can lose their temper. How many of y'all lost your temper before? How many, how many, how many of you had to repent before? The Bible does say, be ye angry and what? Sin not. And then it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Then it says what? Neither give place to the devil. So anger is an emotion that all of us at some point in time will have. But don't let that anger so grip you that you start doing stuff that's ungodly. Are you, are you with me today? Okay. So when we look at this thing, we are servants of God. Our first loyalty is to God as revealed in his word. God and his word are one and the same. So let's look at submission being restated again. Go, go to 1 Peter 2, verse number 17. 1 Peter 2, verse number 17. And we're going to look at some things that we should do as born again believers if we're going to carry a spirit of submission uh, in our everyday lives. First Peter two, verse number 17. Now watch what the text says. Now, this is critically important because our lives are going to be governed by how we obey the scripture text. A spirit of submission is critically important for us as Christians to carry. Do you not realize that when you're respectful to people? Wherever you go, if you go into a place of employment, if you go into a retail establishment, always be respectful. I tell you before, uh, Pastor Anderson was telling me he used to go uh, eat at this place called Barn Hills, and 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 the waitresses at Barn Hill, you know, Pastor would would go down there all the time. He would tip them well, and and he, he got a report and relationship with some of those waitresses. And those waitresses told him, he said, we, they said we hate to work on Sunday. Because when the Christian crowd come in, 
They're so rude and mean and ugly. And that's a poor testimony. When the Christian folk come in, mean, rude, and ugly, and don't tip well either. What kind of testimony is that for many of those ladies probably were not even saved, or maybe they were saved, but, but they, they, they hated to see the church crowd come in. My, my commitment, my, 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 my admonition and my exhortation to every member of EBC is this. Whenever you walk into any place of establishment, any restaurant, any uh, convenience store or wherever you're going, fast food restaurant, you go there and you operate and you move with a spirit of dignity and respect. Because you're not only representing Jesus Christ, your Lord, but you're representing EBC. Amen? And don't go in there with your VBS t-shirt on. And acting like you don't have good sense. It's important for us, if we're going to be able to, to witness to people and disciple them and to share with them, we got to carry ourselves in a respectful manner. Look at what the text says here. Watch this. Uh, in your outline, uh, uh, submission restated, we got to need to honor all men. Everybody underline all. Honor all men. Uh, show due respect to everyone in every situation. Look what the text says. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Now, we don't have a king, but we have a president, right? Let me talk to y'all, okay? All right. Can I, can I preach to the Christians? Now, this, this, guess what, guys? This command didn't go away when Trump got elected. I think I need to talk to some of y'all because some of y'all have been sinning. <laughs> and you've been sinning for about a year and a half now. <laughs> yeah, you've been sinning for about a year and a half. You can only admit it now and get out your system. Look at what the text says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Now, you can't, you can't throw this part away. You didn't throw it away when Brock was in there. George W. was in there, or uh, uh, Brother Bill Clinton. So you can't throw it away when this guy's in. I admit and I understand what you see. I see the very same thing. But the office, no matter how it may seem to be diminished, we have a responsibility to do what this word says. Okay? So now... Either you're going to be biblical or you're, going, or you're not going to be. Is, are you going to just be biblical when it's convenient for you to be biblical? Look at what the text says. Respect everyone. So when you go to different places, when you're working in ministry, when you interface with people, respect everyone. I don't care what the person is like. Respect the guy who's parking your car. Respect the waitress who's waiting on your table. A person's position does not diminish him as a person. And because you got a certain position don't mean you better than anybody else. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. We don't have a king, but we do have a president. We do have a governor, right? We do have mayors. Okay? So it says honor all men. Okay? Respect and esteem all citizens as your fellow citizens, okay? Remember, the early church, watch this, the early church and its believers 
they were surrounded by heathen worshipers, heathen worshipers of idols and and by some of the most corrupt people who ever, you know, you know, walked the face of this, this earth. You think stuff bad. Now, just go back and read Roman history. Go back and read what was happening in Corinthian culture. People were doing some just some just some some old weird, you know, immoral stuff. You know, from sexual orgies to, to all kind of stuff, you know, sacrificing babies on the altar, doing some crazy stuff. Yet in the midst of all this, uh, you know, Scripture is saying, honor all men. You know, uh, you don't honor what they do, but you do honor the person. You follow me? The old saying, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Right? Are y'all tracking with me? Okay. So, uh, but we are to honor all, all people. That's what, the, that's what the Bible tells us. Um, you remember the, the parable of the, of the uh, Good Samaritan? How it was that uh, when this, this guy had, uh, this Jewish guy had failed, prayed to thieves on the side of the road, and, and religious leaders walked by on the other side. Uh, then this. This, it's called the story of the Good Samaritan because the Samaritans, Samaritans didn't have anything. Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Kind of like some of the race relations in our country. Sometimes blacks and whites don't get along. Which is the most stupid, asinine thing that, that we could even think of to happen. But it happens in this, in this country, okay? But as I, was, as I always say, don't let that be your excuse for not doing what God called you to do. As a matter of fact, don't let that be an excuse for you not accomplishing what God said you can accomplish. I've told you I'm the wrong dude to come tell that you can't do something because somebody wouldn't let you. Because you, you should have caught me before I got into this Bible. You should have caught me before I understood my rights and privileges as a born-again believer. You should have caught me before God did what he did in my life. Had you caught me before then, maybe you could have convinced me that I can't do what God said I can do. But, but you, you waited too late. I got the word on the inside. And so I'm walking in supernatural, amen, power, not earthly power. So if you want to live your life walking in earthly power, talking about what the world won't let you do, then so be it. But I'm going to walk according to God's word. He's given me power and authority over every demonic spirit that's here in the earth realm. And I'll be doggone if I'm going to let anybody, any demon stop me from doing what God told me to do. And what he says I can't accomplish. See, that's a mindset. And our mindset has to be that no matter what the obstacles are, I can do it through Christ because he's given me the power and authority to do it. I tell you all the time, nobody in their right, no, nobody, nobody in here would have, would have bet, amen, that Barack Obama, a, 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 a first-term senator from Illinois, would have won the presidency of the United States. None of y'all in here would have bet that, made that bet. None of you in here would have made that bet. None of you in here would have made that bet, but it happened. See, if God has a plan for your life, all the devils in hell can't stop it from happening. And that's the mentality I want this church to have. Quit talking about, well, we in little old Ben. So what? God is expanding our reach far beyond Ben. Am I right, Brother Leroy? We get messages from, from Virginia, from, 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 from the panhandle of Florida, from Mobile, Alabama, where the gospel message is going out and people are responding to the gospel message. So 
Yeah, we are a, 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 a church in a, in, a, in a suburb of Shreveport, Bozeman, which ain't very big. But God can do great things in Benton just like he can in New York City. So quit telling yourself and quit telling this church we can't do certain things. God is going to do miraculous things. And he's going to, he, what, what does God do? The Bible says he chooses what? The foolish things of this world to do what? To confound the wise. Why? So that no flesh can glory in his presence. You know why God uses little stuff? So you can't brag on your own self. When, when all hope is gone, you have no other choices. And when God comes in and, and does that for you, you can't take the credit. That's why he uses the remnant, the small piece. So don't tell me what God can't do. You should have caught me before I got into this word and started walking by faith. It's too late now. It's too late now. I ain't going to argue with you because I know what he's done, Leroy. I've seen what God will do. And I'm going to, listen, you keep stick, sticking with us, you're going to see what he's going to do through this ministry. He's gonna, if, if, if we're going to effectively transform some lives at a greater degree and a greater level. Amen? So, so honor all men, it says. The text says here, respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. Okay, so that, but, but that Samaritan, amen, even though the Jewish person was not somebody who they, they interfaced with, he stopped, bound up his womb, put him up in a hotel and told the man, if there's anything, he runs up, run, runs up from charges. When I come back through, I'm going to pay you. That means he had a good reputation, right? Because people ain't going to put somebody up. And you say, I'm gonna, I'll take care of you when I come back through if you don't pay people. Right? So the man apparently had a good reputation, but the Samaritan helped the Jew. He looked beyond the cultural and the ethnic barriers and saw the man's need and helped him. And some of his own people walked by on the other side of the street. So my, 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 my admonition to you today is, is don't look at people based on what they look at like on the outside. You look at them, amen, as a, as, a, as, a, as a person who needs the help of God, and God has put you in their path to help them see him better. Amen? So honor, everybody say honor all men. The next thing we said what is we went to do what? Love the brotherhood. It says love your Christian brothers and sisters. Love the brotherhood, the brotherhood. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Now, this, this means to love all believers, whoever they may be, regardless of color, nationality, or belief. Everybody is not going to do the things exactly the way we do it at EBC. But that don't mean we got to fall out. Okay? There's different administration, but what? The same Lord. So we got to love the brotherhood. We ought to do good, especially to those who are the household of faith. Amen? So... Uh, so we, we understand that our mandate and our exhortation is that we will, we will reach out, we will love the brotherhood, we will, we will minister to those who are saved, and we will help take care of those who are saved. When I say help take care of, when there's a need, we try to meet that need. Are y'all with me? Okay, so love the brotherhood. What's the next thing we got on our, on our list? Do what? Fear God. Now, remember we were talking about fear on Sunday morning. This is, this is what we, talk, we call Constructive fear, reverential respect for God. Okay, now hold your place right there, and uh, I want you to uh, uh, go with me, if you if you will, go with me to um, go go back with me to uh, to First Peter, the first chapter, right quick, verse number twenty-two. I want to throw it in under love the brotherhood, and then we'll we're going to move on. So fear God. 
Everybody say fear God. It means respect him. We should walk in reverential respect in all towards our God. That's always our primary responsibility. People sometimes don't respect God or the house of God any longer. And guys, we, we can't afford to have that type of mentality. First Peter 1 and 22 says, well, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. So what is he saying? He's saying that as Christians, we shouldn't be fighting. We should be showing love toward each other. Look at what he says. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. That has to be the culture and the mindset that we're setting in the ministry work here at EBC. Guys, uh, everybody in here is a part of the family. And so we, we got, it says love each other deeply with all your heart. That means that if I got a schism or something uh, uh, that's happened with, with us that's caused the fence, uh, an offense to take place, then what is my responsibility according to the Bible if, if I'm offended about something that you did or said? What's my responsibility? What, what, what does Matthew say? Should I tell everybody this before I go? No, it says you go to him one-on-one, -on -one, tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you gain your brother. But if he doesn't hear you, what do you do? Take two or three more spiritual brothers and sisters with you and to try to reason with them and share with them. And then if he still doesn't, you know, still is, is cutting up and acting crazy, then what do you do? You bring them before church council. Okay? If they continue to do that in, in a repetitive manner, after being counseled, after being advised and given instructions from church council, then what should happen? You, he should be asked to lead the fellowship because he's cutting up and won't change. Guys, if we start doing some of that, then I think we'll see less sin in the camp. But that's Bible. We love people enough to go and reach out to them. So if, 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 if you're offended by something, or maybe somebody's offended by you, you know they're offended, then be the bigger person and go to them and say, listen, I know there's something going on. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about it. Be big enough to go to them. Even if you, you may think, I didn't do anything wrong, Pastor. It's not about who's right or wrong, but it's about restoring the relationship. Because this text says you are cleansed from your sins when you obey the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Some of you have natural brothers and sisters that you need to, to, to rectify with. huh? Some of you, some of you have people, maybe, maybe, maybe another brother or sister in Christ that you are that out of a relationship with. Remember I told you that, that, that what does fear do? Fear disconnects us. All right? And so maybe you're fearful about going back because you think that you're going to be taken advantage of again. But let me get past that fear. God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but the power of love and a sound mind. Okay? So make the relationship back right. Is everybody with me? All right. So where, where are we at? We said what? Uh, love the brotherhood, fear God. Okay? Uh, uh, fear God means reverence God. Okay? Uh, Matthew 10 and 20 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, God is the one that controls your eternal destiny. So reverence him, okay? Reverence God. Um, 
so that, that's, that, that's, that's self-explanatory. We know we ought to reverence God, right? And we reverence God by respecting God and we respect God by respecting what his word. He gives us his word to, to teach us how to live our lives. So if I'm going to reverence him, that means that when I come to a Bible study setting like this and I hear that, that the teaching on going to a brother who's offended by me and I refuse to do that, then I'm not respecting God and his word. Every time you learn something, you learn a principle, precept, or command in the scripture, the Bible, that's in the Bible, then God holds us responsible for obeying that word that we've been taught. I told you before, it'd be better for you to go to a church that don't teach you anything than to come to a church that teaches you how to live and then you refuse to live that way. All right? So if we're going to reverence God, we're going to fear God, that means that we're going to take the time to do what his word says. Uh, the next thing says honor what, what's, the, what's the next one? Honor the king. Um, uh, this is a summary statement of the passage. It means we are to show due respect for the government. OK, so uh, you may not agree with who's in power authority, but we do have the, the responsibility to honor the king or the supreme authority of that nation. I mean, that's that's, that's really important. Um, let, let's go real quick to Romans 13 and 1. Y'all know that. Uh, we'll look at it one more time. OK. Hallelujah. Romans 13, 1 says, everyone must submit to government authorities for all authority come from God and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. We know that. So that, that's, 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 you've heard me say that before. You don't have to agree, but we have a responsibility to submit. Okay. Now, uh, real quickly, um, what, what happens uh, uh, when we, whenever we start to do this stuff, expect opposition to come. When we as Christians walk in submission to the Lord, we will most likely experience increased opposition from unbelievers. Go back to 1 Peter 3. Go, go to 1 Peter 3, verse 15 and 16. So expect opposition from unbelievers. When it happens, we must remain respectful and be ready with an answer. Look at what the text says. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Now, notice what that says. If someone asks you, well, why do you believe that what you believe? Why do you go to church? Why do you go there twice a week and listen to that Doyle Adams fellow? Why do you keep going to that church working and serving and, and, and giving your money to the church? Why do you do that? You should be able to explain the hope that is within you. If you can't explain why you do what you do, you're not going to be a very good witness for the Lord. Everyone in here who's saved should be able to say, I'm saved. I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And here's what he's done for me. The text says you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always, everybody say always, always be ready to explain it. Verse 16, read with me. It says what? But do this in a gentle and what? Have you ever seen those Christians who run people away? Who are loud? who are obnoxious, go, they start talking to you and they go speaking in tongues. You're going to scare somebody. There's a place in time for tongues. I believe it's, I speak in other tongues. Amen. But when I'm trying to witness to you, if I go into tongues and you don't know what that is, I'm going to run you away. Huh? That's my fact. Paul even said that. Paul says in, in the corporate setting where we're coming together to exhort the corporate body, Paul said it is better to say something that people can understand than to say something they can't understand. 
Because when they come in unlearned or unsaved, then they're going to think you're crazy. And they're going to go right back out the door. Not that tongues don't have a place, and it does, but it's in order. So when I, but if I'm, if I'm going to witness to you, he says, do this in a gentle and respectful way. Quit going to people and telling them what all they got to put down, what all they got to stop doing. That ain't your job. Your job is to witness to them and share Christ with them. You're trying to get them to stop drinking before they come. Baby, listen, if they drinking and drank last night, bring them on in here. I said, bring them on up in here. You quit trying to clean them up. Bring them in and let the Holy Ghost do what the Holy Ghost is going to do. Amen? But always, when you, when you approach people and you're trying to witness them, don't be disrespectful. Amen? If they, if they say, well, no, you can't come in my house, don't be trying to break in. You politely leave. If they don't want to talk to you, you can't make them listen. And it's not your job to make them listen. It's the Holy Spirit's job, okay? So, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, watch this. They will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong what? Because you belong to Christ. Amen. You belong to Christ. All right. Now, um, next thing is, so, so live in such a way that, that your testimony speaks for you. Your lifestyle speaks for you. Peter goes on to affirm that if, if Christians must suffer at all, it ought to be for the sake of righteousness and not because of sin. 17 through 22, right quick. 1 Peter 3, 17 through 22. Watch this. Watch what he says here. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Don't be suffering because you did wrong. Don't be going through because you, you made a bad choice and bad decision, a sinful choice or a sinful decision. Let, you know, suffering will come sometimes because we, 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 we're living for Christ. Let's suffer because we're doing what God wants us to do, not because we did something crazy. Okay? Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring, to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in what? The spirit. Look at the next verse. So he went and preached the spirits in prison. 20. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Remember, Noah kept saying it's going to rain. It's going to rain. That sermon got old. People got tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing it's going to rain. Why don't you shut up and preach something else? He kept preaching it's going to rain, but when it rained, they started knocking on the door. But it was too late then, y'all. And the water is a picture of baptism which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism don't, itself doesn't save you, but it's an outward profession of what's taking place on the inside. Okay? So, through it all, we must keep a clear conscience. And, and, and what, Paul, what Peter goes on to say in the rest of this book, he, he says that suffering has a purifying effect on our lives. It purifies Look at this real quickly in First uh, Peter 4, verse 1 through 6. And we're going to close it out, okay? So a spirit of submission is real important that we have. Being respectful, honoring those who are in certain positions. Uh, when somebody tells us to do something that's against God's will, we don't do that. But we have a responsibility to obey those and submit to, to, submit to their authority, okay? So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Look at what he says. 
How many Christians, when, when I say this, how many Christians you know are ready to suffer for Christ? Let me ask a better question. Are you ready to suffer for Christ? Are you willing to be talked about, to be discarded, to even face jail time for your stand for Christ? See, many people in, in, in America aren't ready to do that. But we have evangelists and missionaries all across this globe who are witnessing for Christ and they are threatened with death, literally. The worst that we usually get is people talk about us. All right, but watch what it says. You must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Verse number two says what? You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. Verse three, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties. How many of y'all had enough wild parties to last you a lifetime? Anybody in? All right, all right, so, so thank God you've been delivered from the wild parties and the drinking and, 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 and all those stuff that goes on. It says, their immorality and their lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Verse four, of course, your former friends are surprised. Listen to this. Your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So what do they do? Sister Larry, they start talking about you because you're no longer doing the stuff that you should do. How many of y'all used to run with some folks who tell you now you think you're better than they are? You're going to Elizabeth, now y'all think y'all something else at that church. Watch this. So they slander you. Verse five. But remember that they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Verse six and seven. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. Verse seven in closing. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Guys, we're going to suffer. And through suffering, God trains us to obey him. He disciplines us when we go astray. He helps us to learn patience and humility. And he teaches us about his ways through suffering, okay? So, so when, when, you, when you submit to God's will, expect opposition. A spirit of submission is what we need to operate as a church, okay? So don't, don't get so prideful to where you turn your back on what God's word so, so told you. This may seem like a simple message, but I'm here to tell you, a lack of a spirit of submission hinders a lot of believers from progressing in their faith walk. And I don't want you to be in that position to where you're walking in pride and not willing to submit to God's authority, the authority of his word. OK, so let's 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 make sure that we take this message to heart and let's begin to walk in a spirit of submission. Every head bowed, every eye closed.